0: Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by the book guide. The seeds of this encounter had been planted one evening at home as I was changing out of my suit and tie into my sweatpants, shucking sartorial detritus, pants, socks, belt, all over the floor. I enjoyed doing this not only because it appealed to both my laziness and my constant desire to rush to the next thing, the sooner I get these clothes off, the sooner I'll get dinner, but also because it annoyed Bianca, who sometimes playfully called me Hurricane Harris. On this night, though, she was not taking the bait. She was coming at me with a gift, in fact. In her hands, she had a pair of books written by someone named Dr. Mark Epstein. She told me that after months of listening to me alternately rhapsodize or carp about Eckhart Tolle at all. It had finally clicked with her why the ideas I was yammering on about with varying levels of cogency sounded so familiar. About 10 years prior, she had read some books by Epstein, who, she explained, was a psychiatrist and a practicing Buddhist. His writing had been useful for her during a difficult time in her 20s a quarter life crisis when she was struggling with family issues, as well as the decision about whether to embark on the interminable training necessary to become a doctor. I flipped over one of the paperbacks to get a look at this Epstein character, and there on the back cover was a kind-faced, middle-aged guy wearing a v-neck sweater and wire-rimmed glasses sitting on the floor against the type of white backdrop you often see in photography studios. Even though he looked infinitely less weird than either Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra, I still found myself thinking, not my kind of guy. That mild momentary spasm of aversion was assuaged by the little bio next to Epstein's picture, which said he was a trained psychiatrist with a private practice in Manhattan. Thus began another night of delayed sleep and revelatory reading, with Bianca quietly dozing by my side. It was like my first evening with Tolly only less embarrassing. What I found in the pages of Epstein's book was thunderously satisfying— like scratching an itch in an unreachable area, like finally figuring out why Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia's sexual tension never felt right. Very quickly, it became blazingly clear the best parts of Toli were largely unattributed Buddhism. Toli had not, as I would assumed when I first read A New Earth, made up his insights out of whole cloth. Apparently, he'd appropriated them and then affected a sort of intellectual elephantiasis exaggerating their features in the most profitable of ways. Two and a half millennia before Eckhart Tolle started cashing his royalty checks, it was the Buddha who originally came up with that brilliant diagnosis of the way the mind works. In Epstein's writings, it was all there—the insatiable wanting, the inability to be present, the repetitive, relentlessly self-referential thinking— Here was everything that fascinated me about Tolley without the pseudoscience and grandiloquence. To boot, the good doctor could actually write. Compared to Tolley, in fact, this guy was Tolstoy. After months of swimming against the riptide of bathos and bullshit peddled by the self-help subculture, it was phenomenally refreshing to see the ego depicted with wry wit. We are constantly murmuring, muttering, scheming, or wondering to ourselves under our breath, wrote Epstein. I like this. I don't like that. She hurt me. How could I get that? More of this. No, more of that. Much of our inner dialogue is this constant reaction to experience by a selfish, childish protagonist. None of us has moved very far from the seven-year-old who vigilantly watches to see who got more. There were also delightful passages about the human tendency to lurch headlong from one pleasurable experience to the next without ever achieving satisfaction. Epstein totally nailed my habit of hunting around my plate for the next bite before I'd tasted what was in my mouth. As he described it, I do not want to experience the fading of the flavor, the colorless, cottony pulp that succeeds that spectacular burst over my taste buds. Prior to reading Epstein, my most substantial interaction with Buddhism was when, as a 15-year-old punk kid, I stole a Buddha statue from a local gardening store and put it in my bedroom because I thought it looked cool. Despite the fact that I was now a religion reporter, I still had only a glancing understanding of this faith. With Buddhists comprising only about 1 300th of the U.S. population and not being in the habit of taking strident political stands, they didn't attract much...